previously on The Show Show. I'm no longer afraid of Clamato. <laughs> I'm not afraid it's really of the it. Most important thing. I'm not afraid of it, but I just don't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> Am I off the hook for drinking seltzers if it's if beer gives my tummy some problems? Does that give me like an out that I can be a seltzer person? Um, he arrives at the same time as a mysterious yet charismatic young priest uh, who begins to revitalize the town's flight. Just, you know, flagging faith. I've been drinking a little bit. Floundering? Floundering faith. Let's go with that. <laughs> I thought a lot of parts were really well written. Although I thought, like, they're a little bit too well written. Like, they're very well written in saying what they want to say and saying it in a very awesome way. But it's like no human could ever speak so eloquently. Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Geller, uh, Linda Cardinelli. Mm. The guy from The Return is Shaggy. Oh, you talking Matthew Lillard? Do not even. You cannot call him just the guy <laughs> from The Return. That is like the most iconic performance of Shaggy that will ever be done. Pardon me for being rude. It was not me. It was my food. It just popped up to say hello, and now it's gone back down below. Look, I'm I'm just saying. People went and watched The Nutty Professor, and everyone knows that. Eddie Murphy was not that fat. Hello, hello, and welcome to The Show Show, probably the world's best TV review podcast. Warmest greetings and welcome to episode 64. Here today we review the 2023 Peacock sci-fi comedy drama created by Tara Hernandez and Damon Lindelof. May the roof above your head never fall, and if it does, may it kill you instantly. This month on the show show, Mrs. Davis. We're so glad that you have joined us here today. It's time to heave up, trice to mill about smartly throughout the premises. I'd like to welcome you inside the broadcast booth. I'm Jay Christ. I'm joined, as always, today by my two Hall of Famers. To my left, a world-class magician who faked his own death and joins us live from inside of the piano. It's Aaron. That is correct. Everything you've heard is true. And to my other left, a laser scientist who is neither here nor there, my sister across the sea, it's Tony. Hello. And it's not magic. It's illusions, Michael. Not magic. <laughs> Uh, here at the show show, 100% customer satisfaction is our holy grail. We want to hear from you. Check out our Instagram for news about the show, including our postponed 2024 tour, convention, and cruise, along with plenty of other bonus content. Uh, be watching out for a special episode announcement. We're not ready to say anything on the air yet, but we've got something special cooking for all of you, and we're very excited. But you can find us on Instagram at the Show Show Pod. You can send your emails to the Show Show TV Podcast at gmail.com. You can find our YouTube channel with our exclusive pre show cocktail hour, Mandamus Radio. You can find me individually at J. Suespante. Aaron, where can we find you? On Twix at Tenacious Aaron. <laughs> Ooh, I like and that. And Tony? 
You can find me on Instagram at tpinquite. The show show is now available everywhere podcasts are sold. Apple Podcasts, YouTube Music, Amazon Music, Audible, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Uh, you can check out our YouTube channel, as mentioned before, where we do our bonus pre-show cocktail hour. And before we dip into our stash of organically grown Reno strawberry jam, we must first visit the unofficial scoreboard. This is the part of the show where we share our thoughts on other diversions not selected by the great wheel of randomonium. I will follow in the steps of Tremor Simeon and lead off and... I am very happy to still be celebrating the 2023 World Series Championship of our Texas Rangers. Congratulations. I'm not really much of a baseball guy. Uh, I much more tend towards football and soccer, but I baked in plenty of games in the upper deck in the bar ballpark in Arlington with my church group back in the day. Mm. And, you know, watching that team win, it really just, it brought out the six-year-old in me. And it was, it was a really, really great ride. I don't know if you guys had, uh, had any part of it. I did not watch. Sorry. Yeah. I did not grow up doing sports, so I don't have the same affinity that a lot of people do. For sports. But I cheer for the local team. Fair enough. I haven't really had a lot of time for uh, for TV lately, but one show I have been watching is a little-known sitcom from the 80s called Cheers. Mm. <laughs> and it's been such a fun ride just to slip back in time mm -hmm. 22 minutes at a time with some zany characters and just live in this world where Ted Danson is the man and there's no question about it. It's It's been a ton of fun. So I've really been enjoying that. Me and Christy watched through Cheers, I mean, maybe a year ago. And it was, uh, I'd never watched all the way through it. And so it does take some interesting twists and turns along the way. <laughs> it, it definitely starts to jump the shark when they're like, you know, they're, they're on a boat with a bomb on it and then they're skydiving <laughs> and... You know, the at the beginning they didn't they didn't really leave the bar, but no. yeah, it's like slipping into a nice warm bath, and it's that's that's really been great. So, uh, for nostalgia's sake, cheers, fantastic. Uh, what have you guys been watching, Tony? I don't know if I've been watching any TV shows, yeah, except for uh, Mrs. Davis. But I did finally watch Manchester by the Sea, that prime original movie with Casey Affleck, and it is good. It's very depressing, but I like sad <laughs> movies, so definitely like stays with you for a, a day or two after you watch it. But it was good. I'd rate it very highly. Definitely worth a watch, unless you don't like kind of like more somber movies. Uh, but really good. My sister got married last weekend. Great wedding, tough. small, fun. They did a lot of their own decorations. I rate that one a 10 out of 10. <laughs> Seems legit. Um, so... Me and Christy, because we watched a bunch of uh, like horror stuff during October. We watched uh, the No One Will Save You with the um, it's the youngest daughter from was it Last Man Standing, the Tim Allen show, and it's basically an alien like horror show or movie. 
Uh, it was fun. It was worth it. I think there was like six words spoken in the entire movie, which gave it a kind of a unique feel. So that was fun. I will also say uh, we've been watching Mike and Molly, just as our throwaway uh, sitcom. I've never watched it before, so it's been fun kind of watching it. Also, it's really funny, like, the humor from even just, like, a decade ago, how much things have changed. Or I guess oh, yeah. two decades, I guess the mid-2000s. How much things have changed, really, already. Um, from pre-pandemic to all the different social norms. It was just, It's just really funny to see how quick things uh, evolve culturally. But as a throwback for the pod, I have been playing through Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, yeah, um, Phantom Liberty? Or no, I'm, I didn't play through the very first part of the game. And so they, with the launch of Phantom Liberty, they did like Cyberpunk 2.0 and reworked a lot of the aspects of the game and solved a lot of the glitches and um, awkward clipping situations that were happening where some genitals were showing up outside of the pants. Um, and so the game has not gotten a lot better. Not, not when intended. Versus yeah, when it was, yeah. <laughs> They just were there. Um, but it's actually really good. Like, the story's good. The gameplay's good. Um, and it's really funny, especially with, like, Starfield's launch recently and how much it was. it's universally panned for being kind of dull. Like, watching what can be done like as a storytelling mechanism is pretty phenomenal now that cyberpunk has been quote unquote fixed, but I'm excited 100%. to get into um, the Phantom Liberty because the world is amazing. Like it's, it's very immersive. And one of the things that really got me was in every game that I've ever played before where you have like options, there's always like, Oh, I've been given three options on what to say. Let me read them all and think about what I want my character to respond with. But in Cyberpunk, they don't really give you the time to really think about it. Because sometimes there's like, a, if you, you have to make a decision now or the decision will be missed. Or the NPCs will be like, I asked you a question. Why are you just sitting there staring at me? So hmm. it makes your response. There's a lot of stat checks too, like uh, yeah. cool or intellect and stuff. Exactly. So it, it just makes it feel more immersive and less like a game at times because there are those little things that push you to treat it like a real person that you're talking to and not just sit there and, and be like, mm, what's the best option? Let me look it up on the internet. So um, I, I really like that aspect of it. And I've really, really been enjoying that. Dude, it's so like, yeah, I remember like, cause Starfield came out and I played it cause it was on game pass and I was like, Oh, this is a good RPG. And I had played cyberpunk when it first came out, but it's been like a, at least a couple years. Right. Mm-hmm. And I even liked it with the bugs and stuff within like, Phantom Liberty was coming out, and then, like you said, the 2.0 patch. So I was like, I'll play, I'll replay. I played, replayed the whole story. And I was like, I forgot. Like, I was like, I kind of like Starfield, and I played Cyberpunk again. I'm like, oh yeah, Starfield's trash. Like, <laughs> just like the like the cutscenes, like they're not even like CGI cutscenes. It's like mostly in engine, but it's just like it looks so good. And then like the framing of like you like walk up a staircase, like you're following a character, and it's like they planned, like they designed the staircase mm-hmm. that you're walking up and like the, how the shadows were going to be. I was like, I forgot like what, like it might have the best like presentation at a game. And I can remember it a long time. Well, and the interactions don't feel robotic. They feel human and fluid. And it's like, you know, people are actually moving around and doing stuff in a way that they would be. Whereas the videos I've seen from Starfield feel very much like three people sitting in a booth, not moving, just talking. 
right? And there's no real like animation. Their arms aren't moving. There's no like, for lack of a better term, kind of like the Italian arm movements, you know? Like there's no one getting into the conversation. And I really like that about like aspects of, of cyberpunk that the, especially the social interactions, there's a lot more fluid movement that makes it feel like what's going to happen next. I don't know. It's good. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know if there's any, there's very few happy missions in cyberpunk, but like I said, I already mentioned, I liked that sad movies and stuff. It's definitely a dark (laughs) future and like there's hardly any happy endings to most scenarios, but it was, yeah, it's definitely one of my top storytelling. What's yours, Jay? Jay Christ. Ooh, Jay Christ. Um, speaking of, of video games, I've actually been playing uh, quite a lot of Minecraft lately. Mm. Uh, a show that I've been, or a game I've been playing for, I guess, 10 years now since the beta came out. And I actually play it quite a lot with my toddler. And part of the game is that you can raise animals and then slaughter them for both food. their you know, food and for, for XP. And you do that with a sword. And my little almost four-year-old will sit in my lap going, sword, 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 <laughs> chanting uh, for us to go <laughs> yes, kill some cows and pigs. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you can, you can say all you want about violent video games, but even the most innocuous video games <laughs> bring out the bloodlust in the children. Uh, I mean, that's, that's my problem is I didn't, like, even without video games, the video games at the time were like Mario jumping on the head of something. I still had action figures, people who had gi joe had fake wars like mm-hmm. i don't i don't think it's ever been about video games i think that just you know guys like the concept of battle fighting struggle <laughs> you're a warrior gird your loins up well you guys ready to get into mrs davis let's do it let's do it i, I, I should probably phrase that differently <laughs> <laughs> well. phrasing are we are we not doing phrasing <laughs> At least you said Mrs. Davis instead of Mama or Mum. <laughs> Madonna. We have gathered here today to discuss the 2023 Peacock original series, Mrs. Davis, uh, from one of our, our favorite executive producers, Mr. Damon Lindelof, uh, mo- known to many people for being a showrunner on Lost. More recently, he made Watchmen, uh, which... Pr- proved quite controversial here on the show show mm-hmm. but mrs davis is a complicated and convoluted story it's it's very campy so it takes a lot of crazy tw- twists and turns but i'll see if i can summarize here but we center on simone a nun who spends her days making strawberry jam and her nights exposing magicians and exposing how they use technology to hoodwink people in their acts. And she works against an artificial intelligence system called Mrs. Davis that has essentially taken over the world. Everyone walks around with an earbud in their ear using Mrs. Davis for their everyday tasks. And Mrs. Davis offers Simone a quest where if she is able to find and destroy the Holy Grail, then Mrs. Davis will delete herself. And along the way, uh, Simone is assisted by her childhood friend, Wiley, uh, who has a past and struggles with feeling like he's a coward. And it turns out 
that the Holy Grail is real. That mm -hmm. it's not a metaphor. It's not the the algorithm misunderstanding or misinterpreting human culture. There in this world, there is a literal Holy Grail, and it's the real one. And we follow Simone to the belly of a whale to retrieve it. Uh, she is ultimately successful in destroying it, which frees her husband, the literal Jesus Christ, from his restaurant prison. So. Exactly. That wasn't complicated. <laughs> what a show. <laughs> and in what doing an so. Show. Ultimately decides to have Miss Davis shut down. Yes. So the tone of this show was so much fun. It felt like they walked this crazy line where it dealt with these really big ideas about faith and the role of technology and keeping vows to one another but all the while we're dealing with crazy German henchmen and some of the greatest and maybe worst Australian accents there are in the world. I can't believe, like, somehow they pulled off having literally Jesus Christ as a character in the show, and I don't know how they actually pulled it off, but they did, and I was like, that's maybe the most impressive part of the show, where it was like, I don't, it was like, believable like it's obviously super campy but it was also um it was like somehow like not making fun of religion but it was like both like good like a good to jesus christ and like christianity and also like more open than that too as i was like i don't know i can't they did a great job with that i'm going to be the contrarian here and say that i absolutely uh abhorred the jesus storyline uh, I did not like the Jesus character. I did not like the Jesus arrangement, and I felt the commentary missed the mark. I I really struggled with this show a lot. Well, that's why we have and, the pod. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I really struggled with the show a lot, and I am struggling to determine if part of it is the taint from the Watchmen ending, because I definitely walked into this like trying to be open, but also feeling like there was a very heavy kind of continuation of a theme from the ending of Watchmen. Because, like, one of the things that I felt about this is Wiley's guys kind of represent, quote-unquote, toxic masculinity. But they didn't really have any point or purpose in the story. Like, I, I really felt like they were just doofuses for doofuses sake. Yet every single major competent character was like a female, right? We have Miss Davis. We have um, the creator of Miss Davis. We have Simone. We have Simone's mother who survives and is not killed by doing a magic trick wrong. It just feels like it felt very pandery. I walked away from this show feeling very much like this was like a, a pandering show. And at points I felt was the AI writing it? <laughs> like, I was curious mm. if David Lindelof had actually had the AI write some of the stuff because, like, for me, even some of the surrealism, like, I was like, uh, it didn't hit for me. Like, the pianos in the field, I just was like, but what was the point? Like, the, 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 the yeah, surrealism to me 
like didn't connect to anything. It felt like there was so many loose ends in this story that they felt almost shoved in. And the Jesus story to me, I felt it was an unusual and weird story. <laughs> and and I guess to me, it didn't come off as surreal. It came off as attempting at a commentary, but I, I, I guess at the end I had to look it up. It was that, Oh, that like technology is leading us to no longer need religion. So it's, it's the Nietzsche and God is dead kind of analysis. Right. And I, I guess to me, I struggled to get that from the show. I didn't know if that was, I didn't think too deeply on that side of it. So I've been really wanting to, to explore this because like for me, I really struggled with this one. Mm -hmm. Cause like Wiley even feels incompetent. Like there's not, there's no male character in this. That's competent. <laughs> like at all. So I, I don't know. Thoughts. I thought the guys were like dumb, but I think they were good at what they were doing. Like Wiley was good. I think all, even all the, like the Australian bro and all the other bros were good at like the things they were trying to accomplish and stuff. I think Wiley figured out the right answer at the end, but like the, the bull with the sword, like, I don't know to me, his storyline felt so ancillary and he had the same liver that Simone had. He had equal opportunity to do everything that Simone did. And, and it just felt like he was a side character. He was quote unquote, the love interest. He, he didn't really have serve any, I don't know, substantive deep value to the story. And I, to me, honestly, you could have had both of them be that because they both got the liver. There was no, I guess, appointed one, but I don't know. The Jesus storyline felt so bizarre because I don't know it. I was trying to understand like, why is Mary even there? How is Mary having any conversation? Her skull didn't get preserved. Right? Like Jesus is stuck there for that reason. And living people are showing up. But the boss, quote unquote, is explained to be Mary, not God. And I don't I didn't really understand why. So I, I don't know. To me, it felt like a lot of things. Uh, I will say this. I got really annoyed at the Jonah and the whale thing because there was like a lot of things that they could have done with that. But it felt like they missed the point. The whole point of Jonah and the whale is that he didn't want to go do what he was told. And he was swallowed by the whale. And like they did the inverse of it. And like the whole thing is that she wants to get swallowed by the whale and she gets swallowed by the whale. So I, I don't know. To me, it felt very much my same complaint about Watchmen was that he did the opposite of what the underlying stories were. And maybe that's his point, but I, I don't know, man. I, I, I really struggled with this one to to land the, the hit. I, I agree with you. It was definitely silly, but I, I don't know that it landed for me. I do agree. Like I didn't like that the grail was part of Jesus's skull. That part of it was kind of like morbid, dumb. Like yeah, not yeah. Like I don't know why it couldn't have just been the grail, and they could have kept everything else the same. I don't know why it had to be the skull, but I don't know. I maybe I just wasn't deep enough into it. I kind of liked it all. I liked it. It's kind of meta. I don't know. I kind of felt like maybe. I guess I was wrong. Internet. I trust the internet more than myself. I kind of thought maybe like Mrs. Davis was like god or like a better version of god because she was doing all the things that people want god to do like they got they want god to tell them what to do and to fix the world and stuff and she was actually kind of doing that yeah we hear that articulated a little bit from the 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 pope who gets kidnapped 
because he's the user as well yeah. as from the mother superior who comes back. But I think crucially we're shown that Mrs. Davis is not necessarily working in mankind's best interest. She's just giving people what they want to hear. Right. But I guess there's, there's probably the philosophical question in there is that why does Simone's determination that that's not what's best for humanity? Like, I understand the creator not liking it, but at the end of the day, we immediately go into car wrecks and disputes and arguments. So, I mean, isn't that also even up for debate as to whether or not the world is better if people don't have to make those trivial decisions? I wish we'd seen, like, I guess they pulled the leftovers where we never actually showed us that there were still wars and famine and stuff. They just told us that there still were, but we never saw it. So it was like, I wonder if there were those things. I also didn't understand why it couldn't be updated to fix if that was an issue like anything. Like, you know, companies have to create updates all the time, right, to keep things operating with new technology. And it sounded like Miss Davis had been running for quite a while. So I, I guess I didn't understand how that was being maintained without someone running it. You know what I mean? Like, they kind of left it as, it's freeware. Everyone just downloaded it and liked it. This is a tangent, but was there, like, I could have sworn, like, in the first episode or two, they kept saying she'd been at a convent for 10 years. But then yeah. after that, all the flashbacks were, like, seven years ago. I was like, which one is it? Well, she was at the convent for three years, and her father came and asked her to come see the final his final show. Because, like, she had already decided to be a nun before he died. Right. Yeah, but they're like, you joined a convent. Like, you've been in a convent for ten years, but then it goes like seven years ago. She was still with Wiley, and he was about to ride the bull, and then she went to the convent. So it was only seven years, and then yeah, it was like three years ago is when her dad died, and she'd been in the convent for I guess like four years at that point. I didn't catch that. I may have misunderstood it, but I thought they kept saying like she'd been in there for a decade, but then every time it was like a seven year flashback, she hadn't gone in yet. Like all the the big thing hadn't happened like her meeting Jesus or whatever. The liver thing I think was a MacGuffin because it ended up not being like, that was just a scientist theory that they had the metabolism and it, 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 it disintegrated. Yeah, but it was because she only like, she didn't drink with anger in her heart. She thought of Jesus so, like, the scientists thought, oh, the cat ate the mouse, so it, like, metabolized the what he thought was, like, well, mycotoxin, and that's why he well, thought that their on. livers would work. Well, hold on. I, I didn't get that it just happened because of that. I think, like, that was said, but was there any a moment where it was like, because you drank and thought of Jesus? <laughs> like That's I, what I Mary remember. told her. Is that what Mary, I thought Mary, I don't remember Mary showing back up again. That's what she. That's what oh, she sorry. told her in the cave. She's like, if you drink with anger, your head will explode. Oh, like if you drink oh, with I, anger I in your you. heart, if you drink and only think of Jesus, like, then you so, the cup will explode. So, what's her face died because she drank from it, wanting to destroy the cup itself, and she was right. angry Rather with her mom. I think you could just not be angry and still want to destroy the cup because you're like, oh, this is ugly. Well, she probably wasn't I, thinking of Jesus either. I don't know. That's just I'm just going off of what the Mary said in the cave part. I was distracted by it being the lady from uh, 
Expanse. What else? We saw her in something else recently, too. Yeah, I I had the same thought when she came out. I was like, ah, she, that's the foul-mouthed uh, diplomat from The Expanse. Yeah, <laughs> immediately. I was like, oh, I recognize that smoky voice. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know they had cigarettes in ancient Israel. <laughs> I will say favorite character, hands down, was JQ. Like, JQ. Oh, for sure. Like, JQ was no. the best point of this entire show. When he, Whenever he stripped down into the thong out in front of the pyramid... <laughs> Like I, that was I was laughing. It was hilarious. Like that he his performances. I will say this throughout this, the performances of Simone, JQ, Wiley, of everybody, the performances were phenomenal. I don't. I can't think of anybody that I thought phoned it in. I thought that they all did a, a phenomenal job at, at at putting together this show. Yeah, they were great. Betty Gilpin or whatever Simone was great. She was like great at being like. I believed her the whole time. I liked it when she, I liked it when she was silly, like whoa, like that's a humor. lot, yeah. And then like when she was serious too, like emotional, like she did. They did a great job in that casting. She was really great on the Netflix show Glow about the the ladies wrestling circuit. I forgot she was in that. Yeah, she was the lead with uh, another one of my favorites, Allison Brie. Yeah, no, I remember now. I forgot about that. Yeah, pretty she good was show. she was very good in that. Like I felt kind of similarly to to that show as to this this one, where it kind of feels like a show that before I had kids, like I would binge this on a like a lazy weekend that I had with my partner. Like I just I never took this show seriously, and now uh, we're we're getting into the deep end, and I'm loving it. I definitely took it seriously, but I did it because again, I'm I'm a huge fan of surrealism, and so. Like, the moment it started getting surreal, I'm like, okay, I'm into this. But I, I really felt like when it started singing Electric Avenue, I rolled my eyes. Like, I, I, I wasn't like, oh, mysterious clue. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, you're right. It's, it's almost like the campiness for me. It's weird because I love campy shit. Like, the campiness for me is actually what kind of prevented the surrealism from from going off. Hmm. Because at times, like, I, I agree it was surreal, but to me it was too silly to to, to be, like, have a point. Like, like I say, I used the pianos in the middle of the field because that was the first moment I was like, What's, what is going on? Hmm. There were, like, yeah, like that part, the Electric Avenue, like, there's definitely, like, they miss sometimes. Like, even, like, the first episode... I don't even think I liked the first episode. I was like, oh my God, this is like, they went too far on this. I think it toned down starting even as in episode two and I liked it, but definitely like the first episode I didn't like, I didn't like, I wish that the exposition dump episode with the commercial, like I was like, couldn't this just be like, why did this have to be this guy telling the story? And we pop out every (laughs) once in a while for a quirky comment from like simone and wiley like can't this just be like the episode be the making of the commercial and like i think that would have been better i don't know i think it Mm -hmm. suffered for being on like props to nbc or whatever warner brothers for financing it with f-bombs and stuff to be on (laughs) i don't know if it ever aired on the network or if it was just on peacock but props to them for that but i think it suffered because of you had to have commercial breaks in there so i'm guessing it was on the air they always had to do like a little no, fade to black or like a cut, like that's where the there would be a commercial bud. break. That's that's the new meta. Like everybody's adding commercials back into shows, 
so that they can make money off of the people who watch it on the free, like the non-pay or the low pay. So mm-hmm. like shows are getting made again with that in mind, right? Where we've made full circle cables coming back and commercials are coming back. Yeah. yeah. I like, I don't like that where you have little mini fade to blacks and fade ins like throughout. The, I like it when, cause they're hour long episodes and like mm-hmm. just have us, the cliffhangers at the end and then to come in at the beginning of the next shows. I don't like the little mini breaks in the middle of the show. I think that kind of hurt it a little bit. Hey, talk about cathartic. Now that's an act break. I, I, I do want to ask you guys about just substantively, like with the AI question, like I, I did think it was clever. It was funny. The Buffalo wild wings, like <laughs> and the wings and all that, that was great. So the wings were literal. That was, that was very funny, but with regards to like AI and like the, the question of AI, it to me felt like the whole portrayal of everything that was going on was that the AI was playing with humans, right? Sending them on quests, using them as essentially playthings. And at the end of it, the reveal is that that's not what the AI is doing. The AI is legitimately trying to make everyone happy, make everyone satisfied, by basically giving them purpose, meaning, or whatever through any means necessary, right? And whether that's scaring you into having purpose and valuing your life by basically putting you through a fake death coaster, <laughs> um, or by giving yourself meaning through having you go on some epic quest to destroy the grail. What I don't understand is that in, in some way, the reason that Simone left to to kill Miss Davis was because Miss Davis killed her father. She didn't. She just didn't save her father, right? She let her father die. But again, that not that just a patch? That's what I don't get about this story is all the things that, that Simone or anyone had an issue with, couldn't that be updated? And I guess the answer is, oh, the creator doesn't want to do it anymore is completely un, un uh, you know detached from it. Well, it's its own thing. She created it, but it's it's on its own like evolving itself. Like she doesn't have any. Imp- I don't think anybody has any input. On sure, it but if it has the ability to turn itself off, then it has the ability to be edited. It is, it is a code at the end of the day, right? I don't know. Like I, to me, that's where like I was sitting there saying like, I feel like at the end of the day, the reason you left to go kill Miss Davis is not really true. Yet you decide to kill Miss Davis anyway. And, and it's, oh, it's because people don't need to get what they want. But I never saw any real demonstration that the world was worse off for it. Like outside of letting Miss Davis, Miss Davis letting Simone's father die. Like that was the only real, like, tell me, what was another example that they really provided where Miss Davis's programming is bad? I don't think there was one. I think she ended it because she's like, she'll satisfy but she doesn't care about anybody, I guess, is I guess why she turned her off. Or that's what she's the word she used to say it. Yeah. Th- that's what she said. I agree with you. But that I'm just that's what I'm asking you guys. Like, what was she really justified? I suppose after after what Simone had just gone through, after realizing that Mrs. Davis was just gonna keep sending people after the grail and having their heads explode until you ran out of people. That's kind of evil. 
like the the disregard for those lives. And she let her mother hate her for the whole time. Like she told her mother what that she was an accomplice just to like satisfy her mother, which basically like destroyed kind of their whole relationship for ten years. I mean, but her mother didn't have to believe that. I I don't disagree, but that also was what drove her mother to continue, you know, doing things was this belief that there was something out there. So I I don't disagree. Again, I get back to there's a patch there, but those few things outweigh what world peace, no more hunger. Like, like that's what I'm trying to say is like on the grand scale of, I have a bad relationship with my mother and my father was Mm. left to die based off of his own satisfaction with his choices. Like, there's, there is at least a moral question here of you just made life harder for a lot more people in making that. It's a very selfish and personal decision. Is it the right one? That's that's my only question. If you say, yeah, it's fine. I think it's fair. But that's what I was asking is like, to me, I think that that should have been a bigger question. And I really don't feel that, the I guess to me, the demonstration was that horrid, <laughs> giving oh. humans purpose. You know, I, I feel like there could be changes to it for sure, but I, I feel like that wasn't even a discussion. I think it's, I think you're right. I think everything was better, but I guess it was a lie. So it's like, I guess the question is like, like, does it become true if everyone believes the lie? You have to ask yourself. And Simone said, I guess it doesn't really count if it's not real, but I guess who's to say what's real and what's not real. I think the world was better. Like it's like I said, you never saw the wars in the family. Like the the Australian bros, the hippo bros, said, "Look at all this! Like the wars and famine, like all this stuff is bad stuff is still happening in other places. We just can't see it." And she's telling everyone it's not happening. So, but we never got to see that in the show, at least other than like the clips that they had. So it's like, was it happening? Like, was it a big lie, or was the world actually like? I mean, obviously. In America, where this was taking place, everything was fine because there's no, there wasn't a war going on or a famine. Well, so so with so. Europe too, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, Europe, Europe was everything was was kosher, and then where else did they go? The Italy was fine, England was fine. I feel like you're you're right though. The only evidence we have is what was being said, but we also know that Miss Davis had infiltrated the the resistance, right? And was basically she hadn't. That was a lie to get them to blow their stuff up. Was it a lie? I think that she said. Oh, she didn't say it was a lie. I think she knew that they existed, but she hadn't. She told them that she'd infiltrated their server farm, but I don't think she had actually infiltrated their like offline server farm that they were using to like get around her involvement. I think she said that so that he would make them blow it up because Mm -hmm. they thought she was in there. Which he didn't believe, and he did anyway. But I think I don't think she was ever actually in their system. I think she just knew of their stuff. His rationale for doing it was, uh, like, you know, I I understood it, right? Like he was like, you already knew about the resistance. You would have just kept playing with them the whole time, right? Creating things for them to do, even if you're not in their server farm. Like, it doesn't mean that all of them had cell phones, right? They immediately are like, yeah. uh, Miss Davis was still active on their own phones that they had. So, it's I guess it was pervasive, but I, I don't know. I feel like we are definitely in an era of, like, fear-mongering about AI. Like, there's definitely a lot of concern and fear about things that are happening, whether it's taking, they take our gerbs or, you know, 
it's going to be Skynet, right? So to me, I'm very, I'm very wanting to have these conversations and discussions because I think it's very important. But I felt like there was aspects of the AI conversation here that was just lacking because I really was excited, hopeful to get into some like moral like quandaries. But it did feel very much like AI just bad. Yeah, it it never really was about Simone versus the AI. It was really more about Simone's quest. Yeah, it was just Simone's quest to get rid of AI that is you know, evil or wrong. Did it bother anybody else that they never commit? Like they only ever have committed. Like whenever people would proxy, it's like sometimes they're just repeating it. And sometimes they're like showing the reactions and emotions. Like they're saying the words and reacting to her words in a way that is like the AI, but they're just like, they, the AI is not saying, oh, smile or act surprise or soften your face. The AI is just mm-hmm. saying words and hearing her words. But like the humans are like reacting as if they're the AI as a person. But like that's not how it would be. Like they would just be like monotonely like saying words out of themselves. I feel like yeah. it was like a balance. Like sometimes they did that. They were just kind of like, uh, they were just like speaking words they were hearing. And then other times they were like, it was them. It's like they, it's like the show couldn't balance like, the two pieces of it, which I mean, it would be boring and no, you wouldn't like hearing people just go like monotone saying words. Like you like seeing the reactions on people's faces and stuff, but I just feel like that part wouldn't have gone down like that. No, you're right. It's like half of them were like dolls in cyberpunk where they're like completely taken over by the AI and other ones were just someone, uh, the AI said, hi. Yeah. I, I, I will say, what did you think? that the AI told the lady in the diner about Simone's father when she was like, that's gross. Or like, that's fucked up. I'm not going to say that. Cause whenever the answer was he died inside of a piano. Like I was like, what was so hard to talk about on that one? They probably just like, Oh, I left him in a piano to die. He's rotting there in a garage somewhere. Is rotting corpses inside of a piano. I like his, <laughs> I, I was sitting there, and afterwards, whenever the reveal, I was like, I agree with what Tony said. It's like, was that just a commercial-like cliffhanger? Was that just to give this to the commercial break? <laughs> I, for as much as I love the work of Damon, I think this is really kind of emblematic of most of what he's done, where he's so good at creating that scene that makes you wonder what the mystery is, but the payoff is not always worth it. He doesn't bat a thousand. There's there's a lot of whiffs in there. Yeah. I liked, some of my favorite parts was when they were like, I wish it was more of like what's real and what's fake. And I liked how they mm-hmm. were talking about like story structure. Like, oh, this is like a, they're priming you. Like they, like they already primed you. They put you in danger to give you a sense of urgency to like make the decisions. And like it ended up being like the, hippo bros were the ones behind that part but i liked all the discussion of like story structure and like setting up manipulations and like oh this is the ai or like this is like really happening like i wish they would have done more of that stuff well again the thing that they were concerned about the ai doing while he was doing right like at, at the end of the day the complaints about the ai manipulating people that's what wiley was doing he was manipulating simone Right with the whole German abduction scene, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know. To me, I think it's really funny because I do think that there is some 
great moral quandaries to be explored with like the personhood of AI and like the morality of letting the AI make decisions like this. I just, I feel like the story was more like you said, the quest of Simone and AI was just a bit piece, right? It was just a part of the structure of the world so that this quest could go off. I, I will say I wish that they would have she would have done more to make the quest like meaningful because right, I thought at the very beginning, I thought the story was gonna be there is no grail and this is a wild goose chase to just give Simone meaning to realize, oh, life under the AI is, you know, not bad, even if the meaning is is not really all that meaningful. <laughs> I thought they were going to explore more of like, does she actually love Jesus or was like, it was it his power that like almost compelled her to love him. You know, cause she's like, it was love. It, it was like love at first sight and stuff. And like in the middle of the show, it kind of seems like she's resistant. She's like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be type of thing. And then by the time we get to the end, it's like, uh, nothing really she doesn't question anything anymore. It's just kind of back to like, I love you unconditionally and stuff like that. Well, I, I guess like, you know, in Nietzsche's exploration of God is dead. The question is what's the basis of Western Europe's morality. If, if Christianity is no longer that basis, why do we have the moral structure that we have? If the reason that we had it is not a part of it. So here there's definitely a allegory for AI or technology, you know, becoming pervasive throughout our lives and religion slowly dying off. Um, even the, the nuns using the AI and the Pope using the AI over actually believing in God or praying or whatever I thought was, was, you know, that that's, that's what I felt like that was trying to do. But, but what's the point here? Like if, if, what is the loss? What is the commentary with that? Is it that the humans just don't need religion? Is that is that what Damon is trying to say with this death of, of Christ? Or or is there something else that he's trying to explore with that? I thought it was more like humans are gonna find their I was like humans are gonna find their the next thing. Like they just want people to tell them what to do so they don't have to think for themselves. Which is like what religion has done for so long. And like even if religion dies, like people will just flock to the next thing that says it can solve their problems and tell them what to do so they don't have to think or solve it for themselves type of thing. Kind of vibe I got. Okay. Admittedly, the algorithm was like a better version of that because it was actually making the world better. <laughs> it actually talked <laughs> back to them. <laughs> people weren't fighting over like, it's my religion. Like at least it was all the same God to the whole world. That was That's a good thing. To me, it was playing with the theme of faith and what you're willing to put your faith in because like the like the mother superior character she had faith that the ai was acting in good faith and in a lot of ways she was rewarded and to me that was just making the point that that was not all that different from her previously putting her faith in the religious structure Definitely, Tony's comment reminds me of the South Park episode where there's no religion and the different factions of atheism are fighting over what to call their, you know, final form of atheism. 
you know, like, it doesn't matter what like humans are going to find something. Like I definitely agree with that. That that they're either whether it's uh, people saying how I want to do things is the right way, or it's like I want to be told. I definitely there are always going to be followers and things like that. But it just reminds me very much of that that aspect of South part. I, I definitely also agree with the faith part that there is, and I think that this is actually a pretty good interpretation of that, is that in the modern world, there's just as much faith applied to science because we don't actually know the science. We don't actually know how computers work. Someone does. And we have faith that that someone is making sure that they work correctly, right? And I don't know, maybe that's foolish. Maybe that's something to to explore, and that's you know, how much do we trust Google to tell us the truth or AI for that matter, as we move on into that, you know, realm. I mean, there's definitely a point. All the things, all the scientific facts I know were like told to me or read out of a textbook. Yeah. But it's like, I haven't done the experiments. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least math, I guess, is more of like, it's more of on the nose. Like you're taking 12th grade calculus. Yeah. I like math. Ew. Why? Because it's the same in every country. It's beautiful. You can do that one. Yeah. I got the. Yeah, you can put objects and count them up. And, like, obviously it works because you can design an airplane that's never flown before and then it'll fly because all the pieces that you made with math and engineering, like, you planned it out because of the rules of, like, physics and engineering. So, like, obviously that's like a proof of concept thing. But it's like, yeah, I've never, like, done it i'm not uh newton i didn't discover calculus i never thought mm-hmm. about it when whenever people explain it to me i'm like damn bro how did you even like think of it like integrations it's like imagine rectangles and then like imagine the rectangles getting skinnier and skinnier until they're lines and then you're like calculating the area under a curve i'm like bro this is like some how are you <laughs> thinking of this back in the day I mean, think about this. Like, there was a time where decimals weren't a thing. Like, they just were like, we just start with one. Like, we, there was a time when zero wasn't a thing. Like, we yeah, just didn't just have a concept one. for zero. I we don't just know start why. With one. Doesn't even matter how hard you try. <laughs> if you're counting, you always have one of something. That's what they decided in the ancient world. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I I definitely think that there is some fertile ground for exploration of the concept of faith in different con in different kind of arenas. And and I, I feel like they touched on it. I just I just wish they would have gone deeper. I wish they would have, have, have kind of explored some of these things that they touched on. But because they're not part of the quest, they don't really have a purpose. And I and I get that. But I really felt like even like with the big like giant sword competition in Scotland, it felt like there was a missed opportunity there to kind of explore. Cause I I don't know, it didn't Wiley's obsession outside of just I'm gonna ride this bull, like why touch that sword? Why does that matter? Like why that thing? Why whatever it is? I don't know. I felt like they could have done more to tie some really fun exploration of these different ideas together. I'm really surprised they went so hard on the like things are real thing. Like they could have left uh Simone's visits with Jesus to be as of her way of coping with things like yeah. her version of prayer and it could have been her head, but then they, they, they pretty much just like from the beginning went all in of like, she knows things that is impossible for her to know. Yeah. 
And so that place is real and like the characters are real. Like it's not like a, Oh, she overheard something and through her like meditation, like mind palace prayer thing, she's like analyzing and put together. Like, no, she just like gets names and pictures and she fake eats them to like remember them or something. Like I'm surprised it went so hard. I wonder if this show like alienated, I mean, I know Christianity is like, a massive religion in the world. But I wonder if it alienated like all other religions by like basically saying that Jesus is real and stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, they kill him, but I mean, it's not like the religion <laughs> itself doesn't kill him. So well, they don't kill him. They just free his little trap. I get free from the trap. I guess so. I guess. Yeah. I didn't like her calling him Jay. I'll be honest, just because I know that Jay only goes <laughs> back like to the 1400s. <laughs> I don't mind the association between Jay and Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you don't. <laughs> I thought it was, I mean, it was all for the service of the joke, I think. And I think in that way it worked. But yeah, it was probably silly otherwise. I think that only <laughs> happened because, uh, so you could reveal it was Jesus Christ. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh. No, absolutely. <laughs> At first I was like, "Is that that's his name? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> to me it was a little bit like time traveling bin laden where it was just <laughs> it was so over the top that i just kind of let go of any of my worries and just accepted it so my question is now where do people in the middle of having like pinnacle orgasmic sex go <laughs> they, she just took away the falafel restaurant for all of mankind well i think we that, all have our own falafel restaurants. I don't know. That naked dude was like, sometimes whenever you have just like really great sex, you show up here. That means he's been there enough times to, he's had amazing sex enough times to <laughs> figure out the rules of the place. I'm just going to say it. This guy fucks. Am I right? Yeah. He was like having tea. <laughs> well, I, I took that as just a, a joke on that. People say Jesus when they're doing that. Or, oh God. Oh God. You know, but, you know, maybe people in Japan don't say that. Maybe they say something else. Only in the so Western they go to world. a different restaurant. So there you go, Tony. It's not that Jesus was, the, like, Christianity was correct. It's that maybe all the religions are correct, and this is just how Christianity came to be. Fair enough, fair enough. It's just the universe experiencing itself, right? Something like that. I don't know. I still liked it, but I really wasn't thinking hard about anything. I think it was immediate in the first episode that it was just going to be... A bunch of random Lindelofian shit. Hmm. Ironically, it was like less mysterious than a lot of. I feel like it, agree it was that. less open to interpretation as like lost. Like, are they dead? Are they silent real? Like, what is the smoke monster? Like, it was less like that. And then the leftovers. It was less like, is he insane? Uh, does he just have this heart condition that's like, it makes it seem like he's dying and coming back to life? Or is he actually dying? Like, it definitely left the more mysterious parts that are usually in stuff out of it for like one of his stuff. But had he done this entire show without showing Jay, with having every single conversation between her and Jesus being done essentially through prayer, then it would. Well, yeah, have even been if you that. could hear his voice. Yeah, even, even if you could hear songs. his voice. Even if it was like if they had not made the religion actually real. Like, if they had done all of the stuff except for just, like, absolutely validate it, it would have. You would have been like, is she crazy? 
is this yeah, all I just like left it open for a longer? It could have left it open at least for some type of interpretation. But you're right. He he gave us the answer, right? Like he showed us the monster, and you're just kind of that is the monster for the rest of the the movie. So I feel to me, I agree with you. The leftovers. Even Lost, yeah, both of those shows, they, there's a lot of subject to interpretation as to what you think happened. I feel like, and again, this is, Miss Davis is not his original show. This is something he took, someone else had written, and he he made it. Is that is that correct, or did he help write it? I, I'm trying to... I think he's an executive producer. He's not a showrunner. So, like, his fingerprints are on it, but it's... You know, not necessarily his show, you could probably say. Oh, that reminds me of the... F- oh, sorry, I didn't mean to, like, hop in so aggressively. No, you're fine. But I want to see a David, uh, Damon Lindelof and an Edgar Wright TV show. Oh. Because a lot that. of the editing at it, in the beginning, I was like, this kind of is like... It's like a less good Edgar Wright. I was like, I want, like, a full-on Edgar Wright. Who's Edgar Damon Wright? Lindelof. Shaun of the Dead... Baby Hot Fuzz. Fuzz. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Sorry, tangent over, sorry. (laughs) You're good. No, I think, Aaron, you make make a really good point about the the kind of message of the show and how how negative it is about human nature. How it kind of makes people out to be sheep who want to be spoon-fed, but then it spoon-feeds you the answer. Yeah. But it it takes away the mystery. It doesn't let you yeah. decide it. And I, I and again, maybe maybe that's what I liked so much about those other shows that he did was that it left me with some ability to kind of play with it in my mind as to what I thought could be the answer, even if it was the wrong answer, right? Whereas I don't, I did not feel along the way I had much wiggle room to interpret what was being done. I will say I kind of feel the same way about the ending of Watchmen, that there was only one way to interpret the events of Watchmen and there wasn't really a lot of gray. And, and I don't know, maybe is this a shift in his like storytelling? I think the show was definitely like way more optimistic than maybe the reality of the world that it was like creating would have been. Like, I know we're just in Reno, Nevada, like, and but we go to, like, major, like, I can't believe that, I mean, we only see the resistance in Reno, but I can't believe there wouldn't be factions causing Agreed. violence all over the world, like, targeting people with earbuds, like, like, the, I mean, with the way the world is, like, today, I'm just, like, it's, like, does not seem realistic that people wouldn't be going, like, I feel like there would be violence in the streets, like, at least, like, like with bats and clubs or like riot, some riots, like, or like violent protests against the machine or something like that. But even, even with the algorithm as powerful as it was, that wouldn't be able to be prevented from being spread. Right. Like the internet exists separate and apart from the app. Right. So Mm -hmm. like people would still be able to through Facebook, Twitter, any other outlets, spread the information so like i guess i i completely agree with you there has to be some other resistance but even the resistance that we have was non-violent right like they weren't actually blowing shit up except for their own base 
the algorithm actually knew too much. Like, people's personal histories before even the internet existed, like Simone's history, like, her mom isn't telling her literally every single thing that's happened in Simone's life to, like, feed her this information. Like, she didn't make a social media post for the algorithm to read and interpret, and when she asked for help finding her husband, she didn't, like, do a big exposition dump on her own daughter. Like, it, it knows things that it, even in this world where it has access to, like, every piece of information, it, should know. it, it wouldn't know. Like, it wouldn't know that she was the plant with the queen of hearts. Like, I guess maybe somehow it could, but I just feel like it wouldn't know a lot of like the deeper personal things, like, especially cause this was like the early or late eighties when like yeah. people were young and stuff and happening. Like there definitely wasn't posts and like stuff that this algorithm could access the information on to, to like develop these like manipulations on people. I thought for a while that the mother was going to be the one who had developed the AI because of how much. Exactly. I thought the mother developed yeah. it and the dad tweaked it and turned it into what it is today because he wanted it to be like the showmanship aspect. Mm. <laughs> like he broke in there and like messed with the code or something. How did she not get taken away from her parents when she got a crossbow bolt? <laughs> Why was the crossbow bolt aimed to where a... <laughs> 10 year old girl will be hit in the liver. I guess it was trying to hit him in the knee, I guess, maybe. It was like, it's like super mast. Yeah, like, I don't know where it was aiming, but I was like, this is, and she gave her daughter a key. She's so careful and all these other things. Like, there's no chance she would have let her daughter have a key if there was any chance that she would possibly ever go in there. I also agree with that. Like, that seems to be an outrageous situation. And like you said, immediate taking away of the children. Like, there's no situation where the state's like, if if this ever happens again. Well, officer, I told her not to go in there. Hey, she knew the rules. We have a three-strike policy on crossbows. I thought David Arquette did a pretty good job. I, w- I wish yeah. there was more of him. I, I gotta give a shout-out to David Arquette. I didn't mention this in the pre-show, but uh, we played through The Quarry, which is a... a kind of like choose your own adventure kind of game. And he plays one of the main characters and it's, he's very good in it. And he was very good in this too. But I also just like David Arquette. Well, should I get, we get some ratings in? Yes. All right. Well, do we have an object that caught your fancy for ratings? Constipators. System? Constipators. <laughs> oh, that is more apt than you could ever know. <laughs> <laughs> never get old kids never get old uh, if you do so, make sure you stay hydrated and drink Metamucil so Tony how many constipators is Mrs. Davis for you I mean all the negative points were good points but I mean I had fun watching it and I enjoyed it I blasted through it uh, I definitely came down a little bit but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the six constipators six if this constip- is your jam I think you'll have it's a fun enough ride. I don't think you'll be, I don't think you'll regret spending your time watching it. Six constipators from Tony. I think the word you used of ride is pretty apt here where this showed it. It felt like if you've ever ridden judge Roy scream at mm. six flags over Texas. Oh man, that's a callback. It's just kind of the, the perfect little ride. It doesn't go upside down. It doesn't go all that fast. It doesn't go all that high. It's just, fun and i just kind of let go and let myself enjoy it and 
I had a great time. Now, I think Constipators is actually a pretty great rating system here because it's got a great name, but in, in practice, it turned out to be terrible and didn't do the job. Damn you, so, you know, it's it's almost like, yeah, I'm going to call this eight constipators, but what's that worth? <laughs> but eight constipators for me. How about you, Aaron? Again, wear my emotions on my sleeve. I, I definitely went into this wanting to have Damien, Damien, uh, I guess, redeem himself from uh, Watchmen. Because, yeah, you're right. Watchmen was definitely controversial. And I felt like this one brought me to whole different questions and some similar ones. But I, I'm going to give it a five constipators. And the reason why I'm going to give it five is because, like you guys said, if you just want to go in and see something that is wild and different and and kind of, and I agree, funny and fun at times, I think that it's worth watching. I think that if you're looking for more of a, a leftovers or lost type of show where you get to kind of explore different ideas as to what things mean, this is just not that show. And and that's okay. It's okay to not be that show. It's just kind of what I was hoping for. So, for like I said, for me, I think that five is a fair constipators. It didn't quite get me there, but... It also didn't leave me completely, you know, unable to enjoy moments of the show. Plus, all the performances were phenomenal. I, I can't say that there was any performance that was bad. Especially the... I will say my favorite sequence was the... We we didn't ask you to make a Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, so I, 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 laughed, I laughed out loud. That was... That one... <laughs> I, I said... I, I lost it laughing. Oh, that was funny. And and the the dry humor was good. Like I, I'll give him props for that. He delivered some great dry wit throughout this show. You know what I think? Maybe we can't fully appreciate. And I feel like a major theme of this was like a mother daughter relationship. And I don't think we can ever like relate enough to that to be like That's, it may have connected more if we were daughters. Uh, so I don't know if like either of y'all's wives watched it with you if they felt more like if it resonated more with them like that's just kind of how it is like it's you're always trying to win your mother's affection as a daughter like and her approval or maybe that's only people with bad mother-daughter relationships i don't know i think it's a fair um observation i definitely think that um i don't yeah you're right i don't have that as something that necessarily resonates with me so it's not something i would pick up on I just kind of thought of it because they they made Matilda like <laughs> not umbrage levels of hatred, but like, geez, man, freaking a. Simone's mom had moments of like you could tell she cared, but Matilda was just like she didn't get very many redemptions. We've got scores of six, eight, and five that gives us a composite score of six point three. Repeating that puts it just below. Cowboy Bebop and just above the first season of Undone. It's kind of middle middle third, top of the bottom half. I'd say that's fair. I think that's fair. Undone's more of a show that uh, you would think would be more Linda Laffey. But didn't season two basically confirm that the dad... I didn't watch season two, but didn't like she was actually seeing her dad in Undone? 
I feel like that's what I read or something like that. So it kind of like left the whole, again, the premise of like, is this real or not real? Like, yeah, season, season two really went a lot more into the metaphysical. I, I really think that a lot of times when you don't show the monster, it's better. Right. Like I, I is is just using from a horror perspective. A lot of times once the ridiculous silly monster is is shown, the scary or the in, intention or the emotion is harder to kick off. Like and I freaking feel Jeepers Creepers, like Yeah. It went from like one of the scariest movies ever to like a joke. A joke. I was like, the a monster joke. looks dumb. Yeah. And, but I think that it can be applied to a lot of different situations because I feel like sometimes like leaving it up to the audience to kind of fill in the gaps is what allows it to be kind of the everyman art where you can make it mean what you need it to mean. Whereas if, and again, everybody has a different story to tell, but if you, if you tell, say this is the story, this is the way it has to be interpreted. That's, that's cool. That's fine. But I don't know. It makes me think of Hemingway and, and the guy asking him what everything meant in old man, in the sea. And he's like, it's an old man. It's the sea. It's a fish. You know, that's that's what he may have meant, but everybody gets something different out of it. Well, is it time to approach the wheel of randomonium? <laughs> Our own AI-powered selection tool that helps us decide what to watch next. All right. We have I did love the nuns, too. All the other nuns. It was a fun time hanging out with the nuns at the convent. <laughs> Shout out to the I nuns. I like that the Mother Superior was drinking scotch on the sly. I love, I love that. <laughs> well, they're just all playing badminton, making jam, going for some shaved ice. Seems like run off. I want to run off to the convent, get married to Jesus. <laughs> that part really took me out of, like, the litter the actual I, mean, I guess wedding. that's kind of how being a nun is but it was just i like, don't think that they was have like weddings a, yeah they don't have weddings for sure but I, i'm sure there is some sort of like vow or oath you have to take to become a nun that's not that on the nose but yes i do agree with you but it's kind of like it's not the actual literal blood you know so what <laughs> you know, like they don't actually now drink the blood me. of of, of Are Jesus, you serious? Right? Yeah, it's grape juice, or <sighs> wine, or something. Man, those wafers are gross. I gotta tell you, <sighs> those are the worst things ever invented. You know, it's great flatbread, phenomenal. Like everything that Jesus ate in the Middle East was not that <laughs> fucking wafer. You know, if you let it dissolve all the way in your tongue, if you can like survive it long, it almost you can imagine it tasting like bread, but it's just too much work. I would be worried that the chemicals that it's made from would start to eat through your tongue. Like, I just don't think you should leave that in on your m- mouth that long. <laughs> like, what happens whenever someone eats styrofoam? Because I'm sure that this is not too far off from styrofoam. I am glad that Jesus was Middle Eastern, though. Yeah, yeah. I authentically agree with that. Like, he probably looked more like that than anything. My favorite story, I'm going to sidebar for a second, is that I went to a funeral one time, and it was a funeral at a Korean church, and no joke, they had paintings of Korean Jesus on the wall. 
like on Twenty One Jump Street. It was. I couldn't believe it. I was. That was. It was just straight up famous scenes from the Bible, but Korean style. <laughs> That's great. So sorry. Uh, to the wheel of Randomonium. Up first, we have Generation Kill, which is Jay's offering. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes, I've offered the twenty eight, the two thousand and eight. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Uh, the 2008 HBO miniseries Generation Kill. Uh, it tells the story of the first 40 days of the Iraq War through the eyes of an elite Marine unit. I've never seen it. It is often brought up as the best TV series depicting the War on Terror or set in that era and I think now is a great time for us all to be reminded of the the horrors of war and how terrible it is so that's fair well, dang, now I'm rooting for you all right and next we have the continental which is Tony's offering tell us about it, Tony yeah I think it's in the John Wick universe kind of like a prequel of how Winston came to be the runner of the Continental Hotel which is like the, if you've seen the John Wick movies, it's like the safe haven where assassins can go to like not worry about being killed kind of thing. So hopefully it expands the world of John Wick, which I think has pretty good lore going on in it. Very nice. And I am bringing to the table the 2023 revival of Frasier. I was going to say re-release, but revival is a better choice of words. Um, and I'm... I'm super excited about this offering because I definitely grew up watching uh, Frasier as a kid on like, I want to say like Nick at Night or something like that because I feel like even then it was already <laughs> being reruns, but I can't say for sure, but I definitely did a binge of it probably about, I think probably mid-pandemic. I, I watched the entire thing, uh, all every episode and loved every minute of it. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to see if uh, they find the old magic. So all right, let's shuffle it up and spin to win. Let's spin the McConaughey wheel. Time to spin, spin. The wheel moves and moves, and it's Frasier. Crane, Frasier. Doctor. All right. Frasier well. it is. <laughs> well, baby, I hear the blues a calling. And Toss I am salad and scrambled eggs, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm ex I'm excited about this. I love Frasier. It's one of my absolute favorite shows. I, I similarly I started watching it in college when there would be reruns during the day on a great network called lifetime <laughs> in between reruns of reba and still standing two other great shows oh my goodness i i definitely have seen reba i don't know that i've seen still standing still you've never seen that still brings standing? back oh. memories that's a oh, uh, robert baratheon right <laughs> yeah it's mark addy is the father and the mother's uh, Jamie Gertz, who was uh, she was the like therapist girlfriend in Twister. <laughs> oh yeah, great she show. Was in Twister. Oh wow, I have never seen this. Oh, you would love it. Was it. Good. You know, I used to watch it all the time. It's okay. right up your alley for like uh, like early aughts sitcom that you know it was it was just a funny ass show. No, uh, this is I'm just kind of like looking through some of the people. 
Freddie yeah. Rumson from uh, Mad Men was like the best friend of the dad. It's good. It's it's one of those shows that's very difficult to find on streaming, even on those like, uh, you know, like the 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 freebie or fubus, the the ones that it's just like a just a TV compendium streaming. of yeah, it's like Nick at Night from a thousand Pluto. years ago. Pluto, exactly. But it, this is one of those shows that it just doesn't seem to be on there. But at least as of a few months ago, somebody had put them all up on ShmooTube. So, you know, do some schmoogling and you might be able to find it. That's that's fair. I'm, I'm glad they're doing that because, you know, what show has been eluding any type of online play for forever. Uh, every season after the first of the Drew Carey show, like the, the first season exists on Amazon. I don't think that they there's some type of contractual rights dispute over the rest of the show, and none of it's ever come to any form of digital format. Oh gosh, that's a shame. It's a shame that that w- that would be one of those you know slip into the warm bath shows I was talking about. Absolutely, I loved the Drew Carey show growing up. It was one of my like I have fond memories of watching that. I don't know why I was watching this at like 14 years old on UPN, but I was so. <laughs> You know, I don't watch new sitcoms, but do people still get hot wives in sitcoms these days? <laughs> <laughs> it's always like, you know, it's like a comedian and they always they always get their own sitcom because they're like a famous comedian and then they always like have like a beautiful wife. Like So are you asking if Kevin James is still working these days? <laughs> <laughs> I was asking like if it, are there any new sitcoms is is it always like a they're average looking dude or even below average with like a smoking hot wife? There definitely are new sitcoms. I'm trying to think of ones like a lot of the ones where it's like a comedian, they're no they're not really in like the family format anymore. They're usually something like off kilter because the family format's been, you know, everyone loved Raymond to death. So, um because, like, like, I put up a show, This Fool, I'm pretty sure that guy's a comedian, and his is, like, it's the same, it's kind of the same thing, except for he doesn't have, he has, like, a, a girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. But it's more chaos and hectic, and I guess she's a pretty girl, but I, I don't know there's any, any, everybody loves Raymond or Seinfeld kind of level sitcoms like that anymore. Can you think of any, Jay? I mean, not really, like, the... The, like you said, the sitcom formula is either dead or irrevocably changed. Yeah, because like I would say that like they consider Letterkenny a modern sitcom. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Tacoma FD is listed. Huh. <laughs> Tacoma FD. Yeah. That show could have been better. I didn't ever watch it, but I really like all those guys. Well, similarly to Frasier, like it's, it it survives enough on the power of its, you know, uh, your affinity for the cast will get you through it, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, So it's got the slamming salmon syndrome. Gotcha. God, I love the Slammin' Salmon. That was some of their finest work. It was B, and you know it. It was better. It was better than Club Dread, but it was B, and you know it. Yeah, that's it. That's true. It was no Super Troopers. It's no Super Troopers. It's no beer fest. It's a fun time, but your love of the cast gets you through it. Well, I've got high hopes for our discussion of Frasier. I hope that it's like slipping into a nice warm bath with maybe some rose hips and a bit of Tahitian vanilla. 
I think you're going to have to bath bomb it and um, <laughs> have yourself a really nice cocktail for when we go after this one. Ooh. D- definitely some sherry. Definitely some sherry. I'm excited to see if me having not watched it will like hurt because I won't get probably a lot of references or if it'll help because if it's bad, I won't know it's bad. Compared <laughs> to the yeah, I want to know because that, that's one thing is like you don't have the nostalgia me and Jay have. So if you're like, yeah, this was just weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a fair response. Yeah. Well, find out next time on the show show. I want to thank uh, both of my co-hosts for joining me here today to talk about Mrs. Davis. Thank you, Aaron and Tony. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. And until next time, I will be seeing you in the trees. Oh, that's Creed?